0: This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And
1: I'm Aaron Granillo.
0: And today we're talking about federal bailouts.
1: The Trump administration spent a lot of yesterday handing out money to struggling public and private businesses. Sound Transit and our state potato growers are among them. First, let's talk about Sound Transit, the agency expecting to lose more than $628 million over the next year. President Trump announced they will receive $166 million in federal aid. President tweeted that the money will help keep the transit system open and operational, helping get people to work or make necessary trips. And he says these funds help replace lost fare revenue. The agency plans to increase its Link light rail service and run trains every 20 minutes. They paused fare collection for now, but we'll start up again uh, in just a few weeks now here on June 1st. This crisis hit in the middle of a massive light rail expansion from Northgate into Seattle And from Seattle out to the Microsoft campus, is this still going to be needed? I would think so. Yes. (laughs)
0: We're certainly hoping that Seattle goes back to growing the way it uh, has. And the Microsoft campus is a pretty significant uh, employment center. And uh, I don't think that the city is going to lose a lot of population. So given that you can't build Well, I guess you could, but we won't. A third bridge across Lake Washington, (laughs) you got to squeeze more capacity out of the present one. So I I think that the uh, East Link extension is going to be pretty important.
1: I just moved across Lake Washington uh, recently, actually. So I take the uh, I-90 into work every day, and I still see those workers out there every morning. Uh, So I, I don't know. I mean, the work has been going on. Uh, nonstop. I mean, since the pandemic, so uh, I guess any extra money will will help with those efforts out there. I'm looking forward to that quick ride downtown, Aaron. All right. Also, by the way, President Trump dedicated 16 billion dollars to farmers and ranchers impacted by the pandemic. Now, these payments are limited to $250,000 per farm, which might sound like a lot, but for a farm that will barely keep the lights on? You're not even keeping
0: them whole. You're trying to keep them solvent. You're trying trying to give them options so that they can live to fight
1: another day. That's Cam Corliss. He is CEO of the National Potato Council. He told the Ag Information Network, it's a nice first step, but his growers, including about 250 farms in Washington, We'll need a lot more to survive the downturn.
0: We're going to need substantially more resources both for direct payments for growers as well as um, surplus commodity buys to get this product that's all clogged up in the pipeline out so supply and demand can
1: start to balance. Two weeks ago, the USDA pledged to buy $50 million in surplus potatoes. Corliss says the need is six times that. Just to clear the surplus. He is now estimating there is an oversupply of one and a half billion pounds of potatoes. What to do with all those potatoes, Dave?
0: Yeah. I have to wonder why all those people who love eating French fries at the fast food restaurants, and I assume this is where the surplus comes from, are not just making their own French fries at home with the same number of potatoes. Because we started doing that. You know, when you, my go to breakfast now is potato chips, homemade drenched in bacon grease so what you do is you make the bacon right you end up with about what a half inch of grease in the pan depending on how much you make you throw that out no you take a potato you thin slice it with a nice sharp knife and you you fry it you just put it in the it's almost like a it's it's not a deep fat fryer it's a shallow fat fryer but it works just the same and if you use the right potatoes and i recommend that the it's the new potatoes little, little small white potatoes They actually get crisp. You drain them on a paper towel, and uh, the whole family has something to look forward to.
1: Did this podcast just become the Dave Ross Cooking Show?
0: Mm, It's not quite that elaborate, but, you know, if this was done at scale, the potato traffic jam would be over.
1: (laughs) Okay. On a more uh, serious note, by the way, uh, in terms of the, the farming industry, uh, have you been following the numbers out there in, in Yakima? The county's number of cases per resident there is three times the rates of King County. So that's the highest on the West Coast. Now, this virus started in Yakima nursing homes, but it has now spread to the agricultural industry, where the highest percentage of cases is among workers aged 20 to 29. In Yakima, two-thirds of the jobs there are considered essential, and they require hands-on in-person work. Edgar Franks is the political director for Familias Unidades por la Justicia. Many of their co-workers have already become infected and sick. They're afraid that in their workplace they might become sick and bring the virus home and infect their families. So many workers are striking and they want safety measures in these plans from cleaning to social distancing procedures and hazard pay. Which
0: makes sense. You don't want to go to work and come home sick. I don't think the employers want that either. And the uh, the question is, can you continue to do the work and keep the workers safe at the same time? Because apparently because they work in close quarters and live in close quarters.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the, the issues that I, I think it was Danny Westneed had a column in the Seattle Times today sort of talking about how, you know, we, we say we're all in this together, uh, but the situation out there sort of proves that That's not really the case where we're telling agricultural workers to kind of, you know, fall on the sword for us and say, hey, you go back to work where, you know, some of the people more who are well off in in King County are told to to shelter indoors. You can work from home where there it's, you know, your essential work and you kind of put your lives at, at risk out there.
0: Right. But we know how to protect people. Maybe you have to use the same kind of surgical gowns and gloves and shields that you use in the hospitals to protect the healthcare workers, but the food has to be harvested. I mean, you want to talk about a real crisis. If we just stop picking food and you see shells go bare, then uh, there'd be a real panic. So there has to be a safe way to do this. And if for some reason the people who operate these agricultural companies can't afford it, uh, I would say that's another case for the federal government to step in and provide the necessary equipment to make sure that you can safely harvest the food.
1: There had been some positive trends the past few days on COVID-19 deaths in our region, but Kyle Radio's Hannah Scott says there has been a big change in the last 24 hours now.
0: After several days of new daily COVID-19 deaths in the single digits, the state health department reported more than two dozen new deaths yesterday. But state health officer Dr. Kathy Lofi says they're seeing positive trends in other areas. Overall, we're seeing really nice trends when it comes to severe COVID-19 disease with decreasing number of hospitalizations. The overall positive test rate is also down, but Lofi says. Still in about 150 to 200 individuals a day with confirmed COVID. There were 200 new cases confirmed yesterday, bringing the statewide total to just over 18,800 cases.
1: And at least 1,031 people in Washington state have now died from the virus. Uh, you know we 're seeing this this spike, but as far as i know it 's still unclear why that 's happening. Is it because more people are getting outside, and we you know we still don 't know exactly where these these new deaths are occurring either
0: and I think we need to know that if we 're going to reopen, we need to know whether this spike is among people in nursing homes, which would require one set of precautions. Is it about people who are working in meat packing plants which require another set of precautions, or is it actually from people who are Congregating in community gatherings or holding unauthorized church services the the numbers Aaron themselves are no longer sufficient to tell us what we know, which is how is the virus being transmitted now,
1: yeah. This also kind of jibes a little bit with the IHME, the University of Washington, the Health Metrics Evaluation. You know, they had said as mobility was going to be on the rise, they adjusted their numbers to say that there would be more deaths around the country. I, I You know, I can't say for sure if this is the link that we've been waiting for, but I mean, perhaps mobility could be uh, a reason for the spike. I, but, you know, no one, like as you've said- That's just speculation. That's until spe- we exactly, know, right? Yeah. We
0: don't know whether this is people- uh, visiting relatives that they hadn't visited in a long time, or uh, whether it's just uh, we've learned something new about how it's transmitted. But but to me, that's that's the health department's next challenge. Instead mm-hmm. of just giving us the number of new cases, figure out why it's happening.
1: As far as you know, Dave, has there been any explanation as to why the health department has decided not to release these, this information? Is it just too much work to do?
0: Well, maybe. I know they just started the tracking process. But um, that, it seems to me, is what those trackers are there for. Mm-hmm. The idea that we're we're going to just wait and wait and wait until it drops to zero, that was the original intent. But um, those models, as you point out, have changed. We'd have been open by now if those original models had held true. They were all pointed to, like, uh, May 1st yeah. uh, through May 8th. I mean it's a, this has become a moving target. The governor knows he can't keep it closed forever. I don't think he wants to because he wants state, reven- <laughs> state revenue to start coming in too. So um that's why it's even more important to find out why these cases are happening.
1: Yeah. And just uh, you know another note by the way yesterday the governor did open the door for 10 more counties around the state to reopen but they have to meet these certain guidelines. So uh it is fewer than 10 cases per 100,000 over a 14-day period, uh, I think that, that puts King County well off the mark uh, of meeting that because we have a, you know, a population of, I think, two and a quarter million people out here. Mm-hmm. So that would have to be you know, 225 cases or fewer uh, over a two-week period. I think the last couple of weeks, we've had something like 800 in, in King County.
0: But that raises the question, how do you determine a new case? is that mm-hmm. because of additional testing right. is there more testing going on in some counties than others because if that's the only way they're doing it as opposed to people actually presenting themselves to the hospital with symptoms it's almost like you're being penalized mm-hmm. for doing more testing
1: right and that's that's one of the big criticisms of this whole reopening process is that the people are saying that we keep moving the goalpost right i mean the if the first goal was to not overwhelm the hospital system well it seems like we have reached that goal And now it's like, okay, what are we waiting for? What is the next data point? The governor keeps pointing to, you know, 10 or 12 different data points that he wants to uh, have sort of all be in in conjunction with one another before he can reopen. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 becoming a little bit frustrating, I think, for a lot of people.
0: Time to ask the question. Send out the questionnaire to people who test positive and say, where were you? Uh, What were you doing? And also tell us what the standard is. Is it compared to the number of tests being done in a particular area? And if it turns out that the cases track the tests, that says one thing. If it turns out that the cases are independent of the tests, then that means something else. We will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.